Episode 29 of Gaming and BS, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character Folio. Welcome to Gaming and BS. Thanks for tuning in. This is your host, Sean. And this is Brett. Had to fire a couple of shots over Sean's bow there. He just uh, fresh back from Gary Con and uh, looking at him here, he looks kind of drowsy. So I thought I'd get his attention, fire a few quick ones over his head. I'm a little tired. Tired. I'm really tired. <laughs> really tired. Well, yeah, I have. A, I was well, up. For a man your age, staying up till four in the morning, that's that's crazy, man. Dude, I know. I can't even believe I had the stamina to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'm 20 again. <laughs> Whippersnappers. I can keep up with the best of you. Damn kids. Think you're going to count, staying up all night and gaming? I'll show you. <laughs> I hope sleep pattern's going to be off probably for the next week. Well, at least we have a long weekend come up from the office, so that'll be handy for you. Do we? Yeah, good Friday's on Friday, and we have Sweet. that all. thank you, Jesus. Look at that. <laughs> hey, you tied, <laughs> I tied it, it all together. So sweet, it all ties together. Bringing it okay. all. Bringing it all. This is our blasphemy episode, by the That's way. That's right. When I'm kidding. We're going to get into religion. No. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, announcements. I am trying to think. I didn't write them down again, and I don't think I have any. No, the only thing um, I was going to say was initially I was going to go to Gen Con and it is kind of joking as we started off here. This is not a political podcast and, and whatnot. Um, the guys that misdirected Mark, uh, Phil and Chris, had invited me if I was going to go to Gen Con to sit in on a GM panel with them. And I thought, hey, that's a really cool opportunity. And guys, if you, if you hear this or whenever you hear it again, thank you very much. I've, I've told Phil thank you a number of times. But um, I decided. Ask, how come they didn't ask me? <clears throat> Because you said you weren't going, and uh, they they wanted the better half. So <laughs> anyway, so anyhow, my buddies and I that are going to con, we um, obviously the uh, uh, state of Indiana did something which my friends and I consider legally stupid and uh, morally unethical, and blah blah blah. So we decided, you know what, we got to do. We're going to put our money where our mouth is, and we're not going to go this year. Hopefully, they'll get their shit together, and we'll be back next year. But that's uh, that's our personal stand. Not saying anybody else needs to do that, but I'm just saying that's what we chose to do. And uh, so I apologize to anyone who was hopefully going to hook up with me at uh, Gen Con this year. I'm not going to make it. So hopefully next year. But as always, we will be at Game Hole, come hell or high water. So hopefully we'll see you there instead. And that's all I have to say about that. There you are. There you have it. And if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, go to somewhere and I don't know. Look any, any media outlet. Indiana, Indiana's uh, latest law. It's just silly. Freedom of religion, I believe. All right. But anyway, as we said, not a political podcast. We're about gaming. So let's do the random encounter thing. Yeah, random encounter. Let's do this. Thing. Random encounters where we talk about uh, talk. Uh, field emails, voicemails, social media from listeners. Not all social media. Um, we get some pretty good interaction. And I don't want to say, yeah, we deal with all interaction from social media. And 
we have you know people posting on Google Plus. We haven't acknowledged our apologies. That is not. Excuse me, I got the burps. Not our intention, but uh, we hear you and appreciate all the interaction. But the first one. Yes, Mr. Frankhouse. He had sent us his uh, voicemail last time, um, and uh, Sean and I chatted about it. And if you go on to our website, um, GamingBS.com, we uh, check out the episode 28 comments. Eric went through, and um, Sean had said something like, I'm pretty sure Frank House is going to say, no, 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 that's not what I meant. And, of course, that's exactly what Eric did. He went, no, 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 this is what I'm talking about. And I think his written explanation, I don't want to read the whole thing. Go out there, check it out. I think um, his layout there is pretty cool, and he better sets the stage for what specifically he was chatting about there when we're talking about PC backgrounds and the type of tool slash mechanism that he uses to help uh, fl- uh, flush some of that stuff out or flush it out better. Flush it. Flush it out. Flush it out. Flash. Uh-huh, that's enough of that. <laughs> so anyway, to get Sean talking, let's talk about Flush Gary Khan. <laughs> Flush it. I'm not letting you go to another con if you're going to act like this. Flush it. Good. Wait for that last one. So, as I hinted slash said before, Sean went to Gary Khan. I was able to grab a couple of his picks. If you don't follow Sean on Google+, Plus and you're listening to us, oh, come on. He's worth following. Usually post some nice stuff. But anyway, I did grab some of the pictures that he snagged, a couple selfies, a couple other fun bits, and put them out on our community for folks to take a look at. What, what? Sean, it looks like you got in some pretty kick-ass gaming, dude. Um Lay it on me. What'd you find? What'd you do? How'd it so, go? So Happened. for those living, so gamers that listen to us that are not in tune with everything everywhere, Gary Khan is the con. There's actually, oh shit, I threw my program away. Um, it's, uh, I think that, what's the theme? Celebrating the life of the life of Gary. I don't remember. Well, it, they, and the they, whole thing they, started Gen Con. Oh, excuse yeah. me, Gary Con Zero was the post-funeral event, and then they've started. They've kind of flushed it. Go, go to Gary Con, right? Yeah, go to their Gary website, GaryCon.com. You can read up on the historical pieces. So, so it's it was Thursday, Friday. You are listening to this uh, released on Tuesday, but it was the prior Thursday, Friday, March twenty. What the hell day is today? Uh, 26th, 27th, 28th, and 29th. And we're recording this on the 29th. So I just Correct. got back. So, yeah, it's in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, where Gen Con originally came out of, as well as the home of TSR, which were and Gary Guy Gex, who is the creator of Dungeons and Dragons. And they were located in Lake Geneva. And so uh, Gary passed away. They went and gamed at the local VFW down there at one point, I think yep. right after his funeral. That became Gary Con 1, and uh, this one is Gary Con 7. Um, so uh, I made, I've made the trek down there a few times. I think I've been to the last three-ish or four. And, I've been and if there. you've listened to us before, Sean and I both kind of ragged him out a bit here, at least bitched. Um, granted, probably none of the people in charge of it ever listened to us, but we bitched loudly and fervently to each other about the um the setup if you will i mean from a space perspective there's if nothing else the seems like they've kind of outgrown their space and they had just some hell trying to get some of the setup as far as online 
um, account building and so on and so forth. So, Sean, if we take out the the bitching from before, or even if we bring it back up, let's say, did you find any of the the problems or things that you and I kind of talked about then to be true? Did you have any issues? Could you not get in? Could you not find games? Anything like that? Or did it run like clockwork or what? Oh. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's really tired. It uh so the event registration was a fiasco and and it was not um a lot of the, the people that I interacted with didn't really mention it a couple of people kind of yeah it sucked I'm over it I don't want I don't have any energy to vent about it uh well, sometimes having, you you can bitch about it and when you're there and you're like oh well I'm here yeah, now yeah it's kind of yeah it's over and done it's, with I just hope they learn and and address it. it yeah cool. So, yeah, I got into town Thursday and you went straight to the con. So the big thing with the event registration kind of left me with some events that, um, you know, I had to grab what I could. I got a couple that I wanted and it wasn't, I didn't register for a ton of events. So I had one event literally on Thursday, I think one on Friday, I ran on Saturday, I had a game to play in Saturday and the GM didn't show up. What? GM did not show up. As what a matter of fact, this? I should have kept my program so I remember his name. The bastard. What think, game was it? it was what like, were you supposed to be playing? I think it was Josh Rays. Rays? R A U I don't know. Uh and uh, uh What was it supposed to be? D D Barebones Fantasy. Barebones Fantasy. Barebones Fantasy, which is Mr. Moore's game. Um What's Mr. Moore's first name? He's on Google Plus. Uh, Bob Moore? Anyways, not very happy about that. But, you know, maybe who knows? I don't know the guy's situation. Maybe some family member was totally. dying. Could be could absolutely be legit. Yeah. Might, you know, whatever. So uh so Thursday I came in and went to my game and actually I didn't have a game. Did I have a game Thursday? I don't know what the hell. My brain is discombobulated as I get older, but I got into Jen Brinkman, uh, her DCC game. She's running a funnel that is going to be actually published, so I may have some playtesting cred in that one. Um, so Jen, Jen is like a DCC goddess from what I've yeah. seen on Google+. Plus. I mean, you want to talk Dungeon Crawl Classics and how to get into it and uh, What's to love? Find Jen Brinkman on Google+. Plus. Uh, lady knows what she's doing on that game, man. She's got it down. So she is also uh, a member of the Spellburn podcast. Yes. Yes, she is. Um, and Job, my buddy Job, is on that podcast. I haven't listened to him for a while, but Job and Jim Wampler, I believe, is on there as well. And they were there, my buddy Job. <laughs> he won't. I'm gonna call him out on this episode because uh, I'm like he'll he can listen to because I helped Job this weekend. Oh, good. Yes, friends helping friends. That's nice. Yeah, I helped Job. Anyway, <laughs> so I went into her game. It was a funnel. It was fun. Uh, there is it's an, a good adventure when or if it gets published and sent out. There's kind of some houses. All right, you have uh, the the families and there's a little bit of dynamic there. And we did well. Jen did a good job running. I think it was our like first time running at a con. And then after that, uh, Thursday, I think I watched the the Badgers play basketball. And then, uh, see, Friday, I should have probably just wrote all this down, shouldn't I have? Um, That's all right. 
Ooh, uh, Friday, Freitag. I think I think I played in Hans's game. Hans Cummings. Ran. Oh, that was the uh, the fate, the, the accelerated. Yeah. So when I sat down, I wasn't sure whether it was going to be accelerated. I have fate. I got it on the Kickstarter, but I only got the fate core rule book. And I've been wanting to kind of get an idea of how fate is run. So I registered. Hans was running three of them, and uh, he did a Fallout themed game of fate. So Fallout is cool. the video game. If you're not familiar with Fallout or um, Last Vegas, it's a video game that's post-apocalyptic, but it's kind of like the fifties, the fifties era. So everything's like the Pip Boy and um, bottle caps. Uh, okay, you know. okay. So it's um, it's kind of cool. And did we, you get? Did he give you guys copies so of the game? He did, and that's a good point. So he's like, "Hey, here's copies of the game and the fate. It's Fate Accelerated. It was five bucks, and it was a hard copy." And I'm like, "You're just we could keep these." And he's like, "Yeah." And I said, "Did you, you know? Did you buy these?" And he's like, "Yeah, I just bought them." And he's okay. So people, he ran three games, probably had at least six people at each game. Do the math. Holy shit! Yeah, that's really nice. So I called out Fred Hicks and uh, Lenny Bellasera. Um, on Google Plus to say, hey, this guy bought all these copies of Fate Accelerated and gave them away at a con, and I think he deserves some props. Um, so, yeah, Hans Cummings. And, and if you – so, Hans, if you don't know Hans, um, he is also on Twitter. I think he's like uh, – he's got a Yoda, I think, is his icon. But he he's an author. So if you – you may recognize the name if you read some of his stuff, which I have not, I will admit. But a very nice guy. Was there with his wife, as always – um, the lovely Maria and, um, yeah, we played fate then. So that was Friday. I know I'm going to miss a game in there somewhere. That's okay. That's cool though. I mean, just, I mean, it's one of those things that when you're at a game convention, it's not like you go around hoping that you're the guy that shows up at the, at the GM's table who's given out the game. Right. Right. But <clears throat> one of the cool things about a con is special stuff can happen. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's a small thing. It's a $5 booklet, but boom, that's neat. I mean, yeah. it's something that if I sat down and I'd not ever played Fate before he either. He didn't have had to I, do that. He didn't have no, to do that. No, he didn't. He no. totally didn't have to do that. So, yeah, uh, top notch. Uh, Friday, I actually had to boogie back home because uh, my wife had her company party. And so I went to there and got a free steak dinner and compliments of her boss. And uh, then I stayed in Madison. Uh, my game started on Saturday at nine. And so I got up at five. Oh, I didn't get home from that dinner until one. Holy shit. So dude. One, I didn't get to bed till like two. Well, you said a two or three hour drive two to wake o'clock, up two o'clock in the morning. I wake up three hours later, take a shower, drive all the way to Lake Geneva, which is about an hour and 20 minute drive from Madison. Well, not, not too bad. That's only 20 minutes longer than I drive every day. Yeah. Yeah, but you get more sleep every night than three <laughs> hours. Just, you, you got me there. You uh, got me. And then, so, and, <laughs> so Sean's like, oh, great, because he has to create one more character for his game. So I'm not even, in my game, so I get down there an hour and a half before my game starts, and uh, I'm like, oh, I got them is, all. This is Spycraft, right? Spycraft Man version one, which is straight D20. Nice. And... I'm going through, and I make the guy, I roll it up, or put it down on a piece of paper, 
I think I got a good feel of what's going on. And it's a three hour slot. I didn't do full four because it's an introductory adventure. So I'm like, ah, this may this may not be four hours. Okay. Scheduled it for three. Showed up. Uh, three play, and it was a four player game. Had three show up. One guy comes up, says, "Hey, got any room?" I said, "Do you have a ticket?" He says, "No." I said, "Sure," because it was like five after nine, ten after nine. Give him the character. Then the guy who has a ticket, he's like, "Yeah, I got room." And I said, "Do you have a ticket?" And he goes, "Yes." I'm like, "Great." And Son so the other, bitch. so the other guy, um, Dave, was like, uh, "So should I get up?" And I'm like, "Nope." So I had it. He was lucky because I had duplicates. Like I, I messed up on one character sheet, just little something little, but I kept the copy that I messed up on. Oh, but it was really, really thinking minor. ahead, thinking ahead. Well, not really, but it was lucky. <laughs> um, so I just Take said, it. I said, here, here is a duplicate copy of that guy. Just change the name. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. I run fast and loose at a con. <laughs> the rules do not matter to me. Here's the deal. So I ran it. Um, in the first hour, I mean, it's kind of started out in media res and I'm like, everybody having a good time. Yeah, it's great. 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 I'm like, take a break, you know, get something to drink, come back. They gear up and then they, we get to the end, uh, like they're infiltrating a building for the big battle okay. evil guy that they, they need to get. And it's, it's one minute to midnight. One minute to midnight. All right. Sorry, dude. <laughs> uh, but uh, and so right it was nice because I'm like looking at my watch and I'm like hey we need to get moving we need to get go-. my watch my phone I'm like gotta get going gotta get going and it was kind of nice because we were under the gun to get it done uh-huh. and oh so the players are gonna move move yeah. move oh and by the way our time slot's wrapping up someone's gonna grab this table let's go let's go let's go and we didn't freaking finish Oh, and it was, yeah, I even was like, Hey, you know, anybody, you want to move the table? And I had Tom Valley and Tom has worked with the game hole guys and Tom ran like, I don't know, freaking six or eight games a weekend. He's a, he's a madman. Absolutely. So he was standing next to me and I'm like, geez. And I, you can't at a con, you got to get off the table because the people are coming in next. So, I mean, literally these guys were like, I opened the, we'll go one way. The other uh, half will go the other, and then we'll just start chucking grenades in every room. And I'm like, all right, fine, yeah, because every door's open, and they don't run into blam, any, blam, blam. they don't run into any bad guys on the way. And then, of course, they go into the room. They happen to be the big bad evil guy, and they shoot him dead. And then they hack the computer and foil his plan. And all the all that took like I don't know sixty seconds. Like in action, like as I'm standing there telling Let's wrap them. it up, let's wrap it up. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. 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 Oh, oh yeah, you do this, you do that. All right, give me a roll. Okay, you win. Yay. So I was disappointed and I talked to some of those guys afterwards and they were just like, hey man, it happens. So uh, yeah, word to the wise, always schedule longer and if it ends sooner, then so be it. So I just didn't want a two-hour game and then they're like, dude, I signed up for a four-hour game. You only ran it for two, like it was two hours. Ah, oh, it's just so mad. Anyways, yeah. so it was uh, Saturday morning. Saturday. Well, if you keep this, if you keep that event in the old, you know, repertoire, right? You can yeah. always pull it back out for the next one and say, "Hey, uh, I'm going for a four-hour slot for it whenever I run this adventure," because last time we got burned, I didn't have enough time. So yeah. you wrap it up at three. I mean, from what you're saying, if you'd have gone three and a half, you'd have been fine. 
wrap up. Hey, any good pointers? Thank you very much. Cool. Glad you did that. Glad you did this. Let's pick up. Boom, and you're out of there. They were having a blast. And awesome. The cool That's thing, what counts, right? The cool thing about it is uh, they're, I had a female, and then I had three, four guys, and I'd be looking at them, and I'd say, anybody have any military experience? All of them look at each other and shake their head no. Excellent. Awesome. Because then I don't have to worry about anybody going, man, this can't really that time that military does it. I served like, you know, 15 years in there. And, you know, <laughs> I'm a veteran, so I'm like, cool, I can bring and explain some of the cool stuff. Like, okay, you've got your NVGs on. Somebody lights up a cigarette, they go really freaking bright, and you can't see through them, right? Stuff like that. Anyways, cool. uh, I, f- I forgot. I got to double back. Uh, Thursday night, I had a midnight game, and I got into Dave Beatty's DCC tournament, uh, which was supposed to wrap up on Sunday, but I already had one guy killed. And what he does is he runs very, uh, what is it, the Carnival of Death or something like that. <laughs> Carnival, of, Carnival death. of Death. I want in. Yeah. If, if, that, if, if I go there, if, if I see that, I'm fucking signing up. Carnival of Death. How is that I not didn't, I did not know this. Dave, I actually saw him, you know, and I see Dave throughout the con and everything. We're high-fiving each other, and he's some some of my pictures. Um. But he did a really, really, really freaking good job. I was very, and I told him, like, I was very impressed with how you presented your adventure. But it's very, you know, it's very encounter. Like, this is what's happening. Give me a save. This is what occurs. You know, okay, what do you do? And well, then, if you go tournament, there's only so much role playing and in some in some respects that's allowed right. in that type of OSR type of environment. And, yeah, and DCC is not I mean you can role play, I'm not saying you can't, but it is really like, you know, going back to crawling and killing stuff and whatever. Um but as you get past and it's a zero level funnel, right? So nobody was first level or higher. You know, you're talking if you haven't played DCC in a zero level funnel, you're playing peasant guy, you're playing the tanner, you're playing the blacksmith. That's that idea. This is what you're going to do before you choose your class, Correct. right? Holy crap, I'm a whatever now. So AC at zero level is like 12. It's the suck. And you have a club. You have a knife. You have uh, a pitchfork. That's your weapon. You have, uh see, what else? A lot of things. I mean, you don't have spellcasters, right? And you have like anywhere from two to five hit points total, max. That's it. In, so this tournament, was it like he ran Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then stopped Sunday for a couple hours? or how? I think he ran it throughout the con. I know this was Thursday midnight, so Thursday, the midnight of Thursday. I guess you could call it Friday morning. Um, I don't know if he – and I think he was running it earlier that day. So basically you come in and you're in a table of probably eight people, and he runs it, and every encounter that you survive – he you you get a stamp on the character sheet. Okay. Huh, cool. And so the people with the most stamps by the end of Sunday gets the plaque. I mean, he actually has a wooden plaque that says like Gary Khan DCC tournament winner. Oh, and neat. So I I was like I I I don't I'm I got one guy killed, went through two encounters and then that that was done. And it was scheduled for 2 hours. So it went from midnight okay. to 2 in the morning. Um, and that, that was it. So and then he was running it today, like the final rounds, and I, I kind of boogied uh, back home. So that was that, Fate, DCC, two DCC games. Uh, the guy for Bare Bones, the DM, never showed up. Watched uh, the Badger game, hung around with the game. I hung around with all the DCC guys, game hole guys, drink spin run guys. Um, and I say guys in the general sense. I mean, um, 
Adam had his wife there and everything. So, yeah, I would love to mention every single person I talked to and met, but I'm afraid that I would miss somebody. So if you're listening to this, and not everybody I know that from Google Plus listened to our show, but um, nonetheless, it was a good time. Uh, so Saturday, yeah, Saturday was great, and I got to stay because I thought I was going to have to leave. And then I woke up on Sunday. So I, I was up till 4.30 Sunday morning, and then I went to my hotel and fell asleep and got up at, I had to check out of my room by 11. So I was up by like 10. And then this, I was, That's this morning. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Not bad, old man. Not bad, old man. Jesus. And uh, yeah, there you go. So cool. That's Gary Khan. Living the life of the gamer at leisure. I like it. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I saw some pictures you posted. There's some really cool stuff out there. I mean, there's the one where they have a, there's a table, kind of an honorary table just set up for Gygax himself or that's for there, Gary. That's there, there every year. Yep. that's That was there. Sean snapped a couple pictures. We posted that up. The guys were playing Cavaliers and Roundheads, which is a, an old uh, Perrin and Gygax. I think one of the very first things that Tactical Studies Rules ever produced back in the day. I don't necessarily know the absolute provenance behind it, but that's old. Yeah, Sean grabbed a couple pictures of the guys, of some folks playing that. That's cool. Eric Frankhouse was there. I'm seeing, you know, the guys from Game Hole, as you said, there. <clears throat> it's just cool. It's one of those things where if had my weekend not <clears throat> been filled with family obligations, I would have done my damnedest to be there, but it just wasn't going to work out this year. So hopefully next year I will tie it in. Sweet. All right. Anything, anything else there, man? No, I think that's it. I think they're moving to a bigger place. They've outgrown it, and I don't know what they're going to do. And they want to keep it in Lake Geneva. And If nothing else, I hope they do, or at least spread it out across town or something. Just, yeah. you know, it's going to grow. It's cool. It's, it's good to do. So, All right. Let's uh, All right, quick quick go to the uh, sponsor. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors. You name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website, grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. All right, Brett. Cool. Top Topic of the day. Yes, I want to talk about analysis paralysis. This is a wonderful phrase I picked up out of my uh, my corporate world my, during the day job. <clears throat> and Sean and I have talked about this a number of different times. I thought that, if nothing else, he's he's tired now and kind of maybe a little, I can poke him because he'd be a cranky bear. But the idea is that it's that search for the perfect game system, right? And part of this started off again where I chipped in on the uh, Jason Harper's Blades in the Dark Kickstarter. I decided, I read through it, I listened to the boys over at Misdirected Mark, Phil and Chris, and went, ah, damn it, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'm going to do this uh, against my better. i so pissed off at Kickstarter's judgment, I decided I was going to go for it. Did my research on Mr. Harper. I think I'm in good shape. So, threw John some money. And Sean says to me, you know what? I need another system like I need a hole in the head. <clears throat> and I said, well, everyone needs another hole in the head. I don't see why you wouldn't want to do that. Um, but then when we got to chatting through it and we're like, well, how many game systems do you have? So we throw us numbers and stuff and like, well, how many do you actually play? What, it, what the hell are we looking for anyway? When we start digging through stuff and, and analyzing and just tearing apart these different game systems and, you know, hearing Sean just talk about the Gary Khan experience and 
played Spycraft, played Dungeon Crawl Classics, played Fate. Um, and I didn't hear Sean say, this game sucked, I can't stand this mechanic. Now, granted, Sean has played <clears throat> these games before, except for Fate. Fate was brand new. We'd only read about Fate insofar as he's read a bit and I've read a bit. <clears throat> so neither of us could really give like a an actual uh, review, if you will, because you really can't review a game unless you've played it. But at the end of the day, I, I listen to some folks, and I love my Ken and Robin podcast, right? And these guys are professional designers, and they will go into analyzing different components and core activities of games and rules mechanics, and this is supposed to drive this specific feeling. A lot of the people I know, like Sean and I, what I would consider kind of the, the grunts, if you will, in the field, just playing the games that we buy from folks, we really, you know, I, that's not the extra analysis that we layer on stuff. Is that hurting my experience on a personal level, or should I just knock that shit off and just have some fun? You know, I'm having a good time with it. Does it really matter if I'm doing it wrong or or whatnot? And what the hell am I really looking for when I start tearing through the game shops and going through noblenight.com looking for out-of-print stuff to scratch some itch about the perfect game? You know, are, is that what we're looking for or what? So, Sean, what do you – that's my that's my opening – Salvo. Vomit. <laughs> my opening sound off. We'll see, we'll, we'll see if we can take this anywhere. But, you know, I've chatted about this before, right? This has been like the lunch topic over a year now yes so what do you think have you found the perfect system sean are you done buying and you only play this one game as long as you live that's more than one question i know you're trying to get me to answer more than one question i am and you're tired i figure i could make it work i would say no i haven't truth they wear women's underwear i haven't now yeah (laughs) sorry I, i have not found the perfect system Publishers, please send me a copy of your game so that I can evaluate it and see if it is the perfect system. <laughs> that's Sean at Gaming and Be- no, NBS. Yep. That, that's not even a valid email. Uh, and so what ha- Brett bring I bring this up because I go to Brett and I'm like, hey, I need to. I'm going to buy this game, right? I'm going to buy it. Well, why am I buying this game? I mean, does if I want to play a fantasy game? Does five D and D five E not do the trick for me? Why do I need to find another game? So then I get uh, I don't know Dungeon Crawl Classics, and then I get that, and I'm like, oh, this is great, and it does things a little bit differently. And then there's some similarities, and then another game comes out or has been out, and people are talking about it. So then I, huh, I wonder if I should buy that game, and then I buy that, and, and then all these some of these will sit on my shelf, and I've never. I'll never play like I have basic role playing game and I have GURPS and I don't play those and I don't frequently. So then I talk to Brett and I say, am I just trying to find, are we, when we do that, trying to find the perfect game? Like I don't like how this is done or it's too rules intensive or it's too crunchy or it's too tactical. You know, I don't like using the miniatures. And now Brett, now Brett's group, right? We've had this on the, on the show before. But my my group does role playing. I they, I don't have to worry about that. We just don't care about the Pathfinder thing, right? Yep. You know, so it's like, well, then rules. Then maybe the book doesn't freaking matter, and it doesn't. You know, right? I think what like you yeah, get Pathfinder, exactly. and you're gonna play it any way you want, anyway. So are you so, not playing Pathfinder then? So what the hell are you playing? You could throw Osric on the table and go. That's what we're gonna play, and it would be the same game. I think what's happening, and I was thinking about this, um, knowing that you're going to be so damn tired, I'd probably have to carry this conversation as I usually do. If going um, forward, if Brett, <laughs> if Brett says the word tired, you have to drink. 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> tired, 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 tired. Uh, <clears throat> oh, man. People, just listeners passing out left and right. Five people having car accidents. Yeah. Um, anyway, point is, is that I think what's happening is that when, at least for me anyway, and maybe I'm, again, <clears throat> do I overanalyze my my analyzing of my own overanalyzing or whatever freaking you know, Mobius strip of logic I want to follow here. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you catch any of that? I don't even know. <laughs> Nobody I mean, did. What? So, so, like, this upcoming weekend is um, my birthday is on April 4th, so it's on Saturday. So I'm going to get together with my group, and I usually play um, a long weekend. We try to go, like, Friday night. And this because I happen to have Friday off this coming week here. So I'm going to take Friday, and I'm going to game with the guys on Saturday all day, and I'm going to run probably three different RPGs. And the reason I want to run three different RPGs is because I want to do something slightly different each time. <clears throat> and I think some of it comes down to um, when I have a – the only time that I really look at a game system and say I really want to play this system is because I want to play the setting that goes with that system, right? Where I will say, look, I want to play Call of Cthulhu. I really want to play a horror cthulhu game. So I'll pull out either COC – or Trail of Cthulhu, T-O-C-L. One of those two are usually my go-tos. <clears throat> now, there are other ones out there, Tremulous, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, a host of other Cthulhu-y type games out there. But those are my go-tos for that because it, it covers that genre and that setting correctly. If I want to play generic fantasy, I really don't play generic fantasy anymore. It comes down to, oh, I want to play a Greyhawk game. Greyhawk, to me, means either first or third edition D&D because that's when I played Greyhawk was those two editions. If I really want to feel like it's an old <coughs> Greyhawk game, I'm going to pull out First Ed or Osric, and I'm going to run it that way. If I want to feel a little fresher and newer or to the newer points in history that uh, Wizard of the Coast was putting out for the 3.0 stuff, I'll play a 3.0 or a 3.5 quasi, you know, pathfinder type thing at that point. <sighs> but otherwise, then, if I want to play a spy game, then I've got, like, Knights Black Agents. I've got certain games that fit genres and settings. And I'll go to each one of them basically because that helps me feel the setting. And if I feel the setting appropriately, then I feel like I'm having as much fun as I should or as I could have. So if I was going to play a Dungeon Crawl Classics, I would have to set it up with a group saying, look, the game plays like this. Are you ready to embrace that? Because so we can really enjoy it. And now the group would be like, yeah, sure. Fuck, that sounds great, man. I really, that'd be fun. We'll do a funnel and we'll fuck around in there for a while and, and we'll go at it. But I think, as you and I have talked about before, I think we both suffer a little bit from that gamer ADD where I'll, I would play whatever game it is for a while. And my days of playing Vampire World of Darkness for 15 years solid are over. I'm not going to do that anymore. If for no other reason than I have this host of stuff on my shelves, I need to be able to pull out something else to do. And sometimes I think my desire to grab whatever the next best thing is, like Blades in the Dark for this instance I was chatting about earlier, was that just it is different. Or it seems like it'll be approaching something a little bit differently. And I'm just like, hey, you know, a slightly different flavor might be fun. I don't know if that makes any sense or not. It does. And I appreciate the differences in flavor. I hate eating the same food every single day. But there are guys that will play DCC and that's it. That is true, but... There are people that play Call of Cthulhu, and that is it. And they need swift kicks to the nuts. <laughs> no, that's it's to each his own or her own. It doesn't, you know, that's fine, whatever. If it if you're having fun, <laughs> if you're having fun, that's all that matters. 
God, man. I feel like a repeat of every single trope I've ever heard, yeah. you know? I'll tell you what, though. The one the one piece that, that sticks with me when I look at a new game, though, <clears throat> is I, I never thought about this way initially, but it was it kind of came down to the core activity. Do the rules and mechanics help to back up that core activity? Uh, so it's I, a system matter. See, episode it, it, system matters. It is a little bit, but one of the reasons why I buy a new game is because I'm looking for that. I want it to support something I, like Blades in the Dark. I see that it's going to support uh, through reading the quick start rules. It's going to do exactly what I thought it was going to do. So that totally makes sense. It supports that type of, you know, build a crew of thieves and work your way up the ladder type of methodology <clears throat> or type of play. Excuse me. So that makes sense. But if I pl- if I take a uh, a generic game like a GURPS or basic role playing, there's more work that has to be done to get it to fit because that a generic game's core activity is do everything as best I can, which can fall into the jack of all trades, master of none situation where, you know, GURPS can do anything. It really can. Basic role playing can do anything. It really, really can. But does it do everything well or does it do certain things better than others? Again, that's going to depend on what you like for for that specific setting or whatever, but I, uh, so, uh, I, if I use the word, so you got a drink. So anyways, the Fair. system piece, when you say basic role playing can do whatever you need it to do, I don't agree. So you're saying that I can't, I'm saying that from a genre perspective, saying you want to play supers, fantasy, um, sci-fi, whatever it has components for it it's very modular in that way in in that sense i do agree so why would you not agree what other sense is there sean i feel as though there are games that where system where if we were to argue system matters again and we we round this like 10 10 episodes ago and talked about system matters there are games like the generic systems, like basic role-playing. Yes, I get it. It's modular. You can play different genre. You can play fantasy. You can play modern, espionage. Uh, you can play pulp. Whatever you want to play, that's cool and great. Science fiction, awesome. The thing is, is that there are very few games that facilitate the feel of the genre that and build it into the rules and the system. And I'll give you a perfect example. One that I have not played is Dread. Do you know Dread? I do not know Dread. Enlighten me. Dread is a very small booklet uh, rule system. I mean, I don't know if it, I mean, it could be 50 pages, it could be 100 pages, but it is relatively small, digest size. It is a white cover and has like a smear of red on it. And it says Dread in black, like typed in typing typeface, Times New Roman. And Dread, you have, you are who you are. And you literally have like two, I think two sentences that define who you are. And you, the mechanics is something, it's a horror. It's a suspense game. Oh, this is the Jenga one. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the wiki right now. It is the Jenga game. Yes. So people may refer to this as the Jenga RPG. So if you know what Jenga is, Jenga is a big wooden tower that you play and the way it works is you just set it up and the purpose is every you take turns and you go around clockwise and each person pulls a block out from this tower and hopes that it doesn't tip over. And so the more blocks you pull out, the more unstable the tower comes and the last person that pulls it out and the tower falls loses. In Dread, the they use 
they can't use Jenga tower in the rules because it's copyrighted Jenga. But you get a wooden tower, Jenga tower. And when you're uh, going to do something suspenseful that will uh, impact your character's life, and I have this wrong because I've never played, but that's the premise. You pull out, the GM says, okay, pull out a block. And then you pull it out and you what if you what you want to do works you pull it out and the tower doesn't fall otherwise if it falls then you could die but it's the suspense piece of it right everybody's sitting around like oh no can he do it can he or she do it and it's like oh 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 it's successful so it creates suspense for a suspenseful rpg <gasps> Amazing. Amazing. That's what (laughs) I'm talking about. So that's my long example of how does the system influence the genre or the way that you want to play? Do you see what I'm getting at right now? No, no, it's kind of, it's um, another saying of the core activity setting. I'm supposed to do this thing in a suspenseful way and I am being suspenseful by using the Jenga tower so if it falls over, I die. If I'm able to keep it up, woo, I succeed. If the tower wiggles or something, perhaps, and I, I, I've not read it, so you know, perhaps that is a the narrative is jacked up a bit. I mean, the tension in the room is going to go up, right? If nothing else, you're physically looking at a thing that could actually fall over at any minute. So um, I can see that. That's kind of cool. Now, the thing, though, is that <clears throat> here's the interesting thing, piece for me is that some some games like that, to me, feel, and this is a horrible phrase, but it feels very one-trick. Like a one-trick pony, one-trick dog, whatever. You it is not a trick. campaign game, no. Typically, no, it's not. No. And to do a long-term campaign game or a game or a campaign of a – because I'm a homebrew guy. <clears throat> Maybe this is one of the reasons why I like to the search around for the next best thing is because I have my Avalon fantasy setting. I really, really like it. I developed it a number of years ago. I have different aspects of it. And quite frankly, I have not found a system that – creates that setting, the genre, <clears throat> excuse me, or the feeling of that setting, the core activity within that setting at the level I want it to be. I don't necessarily know what that is per se. So I think this is one of those that those pieces that makes me think I should just, you know, I start hacking rules and adding stuff and changing things, which, you know, if if you want to do that with any type of it makes sense, you have to think it through and so on. I mean, and granted, ha- rules hacking is one of the first steps or house ruling one of the first steps to eventually designing perhaps my own system at some point. But honestly, I don't know if I ever want to do that. I just kind of, I go to these different systems seeing, oh, I think this one will let me homebrew appropriately, will let me do something and have the freedom to build a homebrew I want without making it so that the rules don't quite fit. But granted, even if I say <clears throat> my group, we can, I can ignore whatever rule I want. I get that. But that's where, <clears throat> again, where a system matters piece to me is that if I have to ignore a big chunk, whatever that amount is, 50%, 25%, or if there's a number of different rules components that I just flat won't or can't use because they don't um, enable that core activity. They don't have that Jenga feel, right? I want a suspense game. They're not helping with the suspense, goddammit. I keep ignoring them so I can do <clears throat> what I need to within my homebrew world. Eh, then I throw the system aside going, well, I know what it's good for if I ever build a homebrew that has that core activity to it, I will use that. So a lot of these, to me, um, if I look at my shelf and I pick different games I have, like this one works good doing this thing, this one works good doing that thing, I have a lot of 
Uh, to use an Alton Brown from the Food Channel, multi- unitaskers versus multitaskers. A lot of the multitasker devices, you know, are those pieces in your kitchen or wherever it is you can do whatever you want with. They can cut, chop, do all these different things. And a unitasker only does one specific thing really, really well, like a fire extinguisher. It's really good for one thing. That's putting out fires. Maybe clubbing zombies in the head if you have to, but you it's put really your, not. Put that yourself way. on a skateboard and then um, hit the fire extinguisher, uh, like strap it to your back. See, I, yeah, you got you me know, there. It might kind of propel you. It'd be kind yeah. of cool. Yeah. And it'd be a really cool effect. It would be a very cool effect. But anyway, so when I look at my games on the shelf, I'm like, well, you know, D&D does this type of fantasy really well. I sometimes have a hard time making it do a type of fantasy that I like for whatever reason um, of whatever the homebrew world is. And granted, I like to be able to build my world, the setting, however I want with whatever components I want and not have to worry about, well... I want to have this, this, and this, but fuck, that means I got to build a separate rule or I got to change this one or I have to ignore half of them because it won't fit. So that's part of the reason I think I, as a gamer, continue to look for whatever's the next best thing because I want, I have my Avalon world, I have another fantasy world, I got a plethora of different things I, I use and I do, and I just haven't found a system for each one of those places so that when I visit them with my players, that it makes sense. Because I'm always having to drastically change something. I think the one guy, well, maybe not go that far, but the one guy in the industry that makes games purposely to facilitate the game, like the purpose of the game, is Robin Laws. Now, I think there's other people that have done it. Well, if you, know, you, go, one, you, you, go indie, you look at the indie press games, man, it's all built around that. Yeah, there's they're, a, But they're not campaign games. Right. So I guess... Well, uh, Yes, that's true. So a lot of the indie pe- tacked on there, a lot of the indie stuff, like this Jenga one. Yeah. If you look at like John Wick did one on thirteen, and some of the other his small his small games, small book games. Um, this one called Cat and a couple others, but they're all really designed, at least to my my memory of reading these, for very short stints, a couple sessions or one shot or something like that. Yes, true. But well, yes, okay, gadget. I'm with you now. With Robin, Gumshoe. Gumshoe. Gumshoe, uh, right. Shui. Feng Shui. Feng Shui, yep. or whatever you want to call it. Yep. It's uh, not the harmonious uh, flower arrangement. Just so no, you know. it's not. No, it's not. No. And Hillfolk. Okay, yes. Right, so he is really good. And I, I know there's a lot of independent publishers that deal with that, too. Like, like Jason Morningstar did, did Fiasco, and so his system and his game is, you know, about crazy stuff that happens to people. Robin but, also did Skullduggery, which was part of the Dying Earth okay. setting he did for Pelgrane. Pelgrane Press, quite frankly, I mean, it's all based around that. No. I disagree. What do you mean, disagree? They've got 13th Age. That doesn't necessarily... Oh. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. You're talking because you're now you're going back to Rob Heinsu and Jonathan Tweet, who are 4E and 3O, 3E. Yeah. Designers and developers. But Robin, Gumshoe, oh, Call of Cthulhu. It's an investigation game. But if you fail the check, you don't get the clue. Well, that's really freaking stupid. Like, well, if that's, that's the basis that, of the Ken game. It's Ken Height took Gumshoe into that. Robin started with Gumshoe on, you know, uh, Esoteris and Fear Itself and so on. And, and oh. Ken Height did, uh, was oh, the author. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ken Height's a Cthulhu guy. That's right. But that's regardless, right. regardless, though, <clears throat> and somebody out there has got to know more about this than we do. I mean, I, I know quite a bit about 
a number of different games, and Sean knows some about other ones I don't recall. But somebody out there is a hell of a lot smarter about this than we are. But I think you're right. I don't know. I mean, D&D, one of the things that TSR back in the day and um, <coughs> Wizards of the Coast and so on, when they took Gary's World, Gary's World was built for the game system or, or tweaked around it, right? And then when they bought the, the Forgotten Realms from Ed Greenwood, it was designed, the Forgotten Realms is specifically designed <coughs> to showcase and utilize all the components Planescape was built to be used in this world or with this system, <clears throat> whatever the case is. Um, let me see. Um, boo, 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 boo. God, got other ones. Like the um, Delta Green is a setting that's specifically designed to utilize the Call of Cthulhu rule set. So <clears throat> they're using a larger, how do I want to say it? They're taking the rule set and building it to, it's not really a homebrew anymore. It's a purpose-built world, right? So I can't. God, I think I totally lost where you were going, but I guess the reason I keep, again, the reason I keep looking is I, I like to homebrew stuff and I like to have the freedom to do it. And that might mean that a basic role playing or one of those generic systems like GURPS might actually be the game, quote unquote, for me to use simply because if I don't want to purpose build it for a system, I just want to build a world. I need a system that's modular enough to do it, or I got to sit down and build my own goddamn system every time I make a world. Well, right, and you should. And, and you should, God damn it! You don't have anything going on, do you? No, I'm a Nazi busy guy. Sweet. I've got a dog and a wife. Yeah, sure, I've got plenty of time. Well, you don't need the dog. The kids are kind of, well, you know, the, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Right. <laughs> if I sell a kid or two, I could probably afford to become a game designer. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. So Sean, now, so I'm I'm doing it from a homebrew perspective. Is there any reason that when you see the new sexy RPG out there, you go, oh, oh my God, this sounds like it? Because you've been telling me that, hey, I'm the espionage guy. I should really get Knights Black Agents. Well, and that's right. That's yeah. So going back, so drink. Um, tired. Here we go. Tired. Drink. Okay. Hold on. Um, We're gonna be hammered by the end of the show. All right. And, um, yeah, like I need to do that again. The, where the hell was I going? I'm getting old and I cannot freaking think anymore. Nice black agents. Nice black agents. Yeah. Oh, cool. That that sounds cool. Listen in to Phil, sell it on Misdirected Mark. Oh, I should probably buy it. That sounds really awesome. But if I'm Mr. If you are. It is really awesome, by the way. Yeah. But if you're, awesome. you're poking me in the espionage action kind of Mission Impossible genre, man from uncle. Uh, blah, 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 et cetera, James Bond. Yeah, I don't know if Spycraft really does it, but maybe maybe Knight's Black Agents does it and facilitates that. But somebody would say, oh, if you want action, you need Feng Shui. Feng Shui. True. Somebody call in, call Robin and ask him how to pronounce that damn title. But Robin <laughs> you know, did Feng Shui, which is all, but it's, I think yep. that's more Chopsaki, isn't it? I don't know. That's very Hong Kong action movie. It's very Hong Kong movie time. Jackie Chan, so. man. Running yeah. across the train, and, and every, dick duck I mean, this. The latest episode of uh, Ken and Robin from, oh, like the 27th or whatever, this last Friday here they had, was all about movies to help get you in the in the mood. Like you pick a John Woo movie, basically. Ooh, get me in the mood. <laughs> but when you said the, the pokey and the espionage, you know, right, hey, you like this thing. And that was what John Harper got me on when it came to uh, Blades in the Dark. I love Far From the Grey Mauser. I love Lankmar. I love uh, uh, Thieves World stuff. And there is a piece within 
their stretch goals. That is um, The Black Company by Glenn Cook. I love those novels. Um, <coughs> are they great literature? I don't know, but they're fun for me. I love the hell out of them. I always have. And I'm reading this. And I'm like, this is like the video game thief, one of the few video games I really liked when it first came out. I'm like, God damn, this, this hits all the buttons for me. Uh, it's, it's hard to walk away from it. You know, and when John Wick did his uh, Pathfinder World uh, Wicked Fantasy, I got in on some of that action because it hit all the right buttons for me. So I think that's kind of where, <coughs> excuse me, where the other piece of I don't mind picking up certain game systems, but if you look at my game collection, they're all kind of in this very, they may have started out kind of broad at the beginning, but, you know, I don't have a lot of sci-fi in my in my collection, as, as we mentioned before. You know, I've got... You know, GURPS and basic role playing and Star Frontiers, but Star Frontiers is the only directly sci fi RPG I've got because I don't get into that that much. But I have a shit ton of fantasy stuff because I really like fantasy and I'm always, it, oh, that hits the right fantasy button on this particular thing. It reminds me of this author or this movie or this piece of it I've seen and that's just draws me to it. Alex, moth to a flame. Alex from Gamehole had invited me to make a run for Hackmaster, and I couldn't make it. And he played it for the first time, and he's like, "Yeah, it's got a, a little. It's got some really kind of unique rules that are different." So then, Gary Khan, uh, Kenzerco is a pretty big booth there. I posted a picture on Google Plus. They yes, run, I saw. That. They run Hackmaster, and they've got the big. And Hackmaster is a beautiful book. It's great. And then I think to myself, and I told myself when Five E came out, and if I liked it. I'm not buying any other fantasy role-playing game. Like, I'm going to go out of my way to say no, unless it does something really, really awesome, super awesome, that's great. And I've already had DCC, so I already have that. But I can't keep buying, like, oh, Hackmaster, I'll buy it and maybe see if it's cool. You know, I don't want to do that. And I, I have to take, I have to have some self-control. Otherwise, I'm like, ooh, I'm just going to buy it. It's pretty. See, that, that last piece, the self-control and, and, and book collecting, I'm not sure what that means. Or if they belong in the same sentence. I'm not sure. I know. I'm with you, dude. I'm, that's the whole purpose, right? And I'm like, why am I buying this thing? Because I'm never going to play it. Now, with Brett, I give you guys, I mean, I give your group credit. I love all those guys, even though I might not have met them um, face-to-face yet. But seriously, at least you have a group that is like, I mean, they're open-minded enough to say, Okay, sure, we'll play that game, Brett. You know, maybe it, that is a that is a big reason why I don't mind buying something. I could whip out and yeah. say, "Hey guys, guess what? I'm going to play Powers and Perils." I happen to have a copy of that. It was an old, really bad, poorly, um, poorly designed by all by all explanation by anybody I read who ever looked at it. And overly convoluted. So I could say, "We're going to try it." Everyone was like, "Fuck! I don't ever remember playing that." Let's just say we did it. Okay, great. <clears throat> we'll pull that out. Uh, Zave is running Rollmaster, like old school first ed Rollmaster charts from hell. Oh my god! Right now, and I I like playing Rollmaster, but I've got to be in the mood for it type of thing. And I've got a group, <clears throat> like Sean said, that is really open. I can say, you know what? I bought this new game. It seems like it'd be fun. Everyone's like, sure, fuck it, let's give it a whirl. If it's really awesome, we'll we'll play the shit out of it and go buy it. Yeah. So I bought like Ron Edwards Sorcerer. I bought that from Ron. Um, we played it a couple times. We went, eh, not that much fun for us. Maybe we'll come back to it. Boom, sits on my shelf. I pull it out for reference material or in, or inspiration <clears throat> every so often. And then the guy's like, oh, you know what? We haven't played in a long time. We haven't played this type of game. I'm like, ooh, I've got the thing for you. And we pull it out. So my collection does get use. So I don't feel quite so bad <laughs> as opposed to buying 10 different versions of 
D&D and then nobody gives you shit about it. Yeah. Like the guys right now this weekend, I wasn't able to make it up to my group's game either, but Alpha was running a second edition AD&D uh, reverse dungeon where the guys are playing goblins and orcs and stuff defending their um, warren against heroes and against other the pests. murder hobos. Exactly. Fucking murder hobos everywhere. It's, our, it's their cave. Leave them alone, murder hobos. Get them goblins. Exactly. You know, but this this whole conversation spurred something in my brain, actually. So I'm not completely brain dead today. But uh, the, it's only mostly dead, obligatory. When I was at Gary Khan, uh, Chad Parrish is from okay. Dead Games Society. I always call him Dead Gamers Society. It's Dead Games Society. He's like gamers Dead are Gamer. different. Gamers are a different story. That's kind of like an earlier thing: players versus player. Yeah, I know, you know, player character versus player death. One's um, good, one's not so good. And he dressed up, and he likes to run espionage games, and he's very good at it. He dressed up in a trench, like old trench coat, right? Like hat, like waist long trench coat, fedora, nice. uh, black suit, black tie, and he ran. He ran top secret. Uh, last Gary Khan. I was in his game. And so when I was talking to Frank House, he was there. So the whole thing was he was dressed up. Frank House is like, who, you know, why is he dressed like that? And I said, he runs espionage games. And I said that he runs them really well. And I talked to and I explained a game that Chad ran at, it was at Gary Khan last year. Four people, tops, that's it. And he runs, a, and it was top secret game with a couple of tweaks. And then... Uh, but the thing is, it's an espionage game, and guess what? None of us had guns. And so, wow. that, yeah, and then so Frank uh, Frank House, Eric was, um, and it, I, Eric's just, uh, you know, a friend of the show. Um, but Eric's like, well, did that suck? And I said, let me explain to you how he pulled it off. And if you like old espionage where you don't carry guns, because if you're carrying a gun and somebody, like a cop pulls you over and you're carrying a gun, you're going to go to jail. This isn't like Mission Impossible espionage. This is, you know, the spy who came in from the cold espionage. Yep. And he facilitated it really well. The thing is, if you wanted a game like that, there really isn't anything out there that is facilitating it. Now, yeah, Top Secret or James Bond or something could kind of do it, but you've got to change it. And I haven't I haven't run James Bond, and I don't have the game, and I don't know much about it. I don't know the mechanics. And Brett could say, well, you could do basic role-playing game. You could do GURPS, and you just limit the whatever skills and keep it at a certain tech level. And right. you would just create a guy, and that guy would just be normal guy, but he would have a background in you know covert ops or whatever, counterintelligence, espionage. And that's it. And then you just take out the guns and all that. It's not high action. It's more, you know, role-playing, interfacing. And the way Chad ran it would be he would pull people off the table every few minutes. Not, not like every five, but 10 minutes would go by. He'd narrate, and he's like, okay, and get to a point and say, hey, come with me. Okay. This is very much, um, if you've seen Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, if you have Netflix, grab that. It's that type of feel. It's Cold War. Yes. And it's all... That's what it was. Talk, it's all talky, figure outy, right. not so much shoot 'em deady. Well, and in this in this game, uh, and if you ever have the opportunity to play in the dead any dead game society games, they do really a good job. They they take pride in running games at cons and older games that are out of print. And with Chad, he does Delta Green. His kind of his forte, Cthulhu, um, S, uh, Top Secret, and a couple others, but. 
the way he runs them, he, it's really well done. And this one was uh, Checkpoint Charlie, Germany, UK, your uh, UK agents. There's a Russian general that wants to defect, and they're sending you in to make that happen. But they're not quite sure that everything's legitimate. So you have to go in and kind of confirm, yes, everything's fine, pull them out. And then um, you are four agents and you have a cover and you go in and literally it's like one-time pads, right? So decoding messages, one-time pads. Okay. And he actually has a book at the table that's kind of like the picture book of espionage. So he'll just go, this is what it looks like. And he'll pull it out and show you. And it's like this big picture of the radio or the one-time. But there's no, to your point though, there's no system that says, hey, this is Cold War role-playing. Correct. And what he does is his his scenario is somebody's a mole. Yeah. Right? And there's a compromise, but you know, you don't know who. And you don't know if you're the mole until you're like a few minutes into the adventure. And I was. And so what happens is it facilitates a I need to do something. I need to contact somebody, but I'm with my team. I need to get away from my team. How do I get away from my team without them going, Hey, I'll just go with you? And then you go, no, yeah. no, I'm fine by myself. Oh, you, you are. <laughs> I think I think back now to when when you and I were younger playing with people and you'd have people talk about, hey, I do, I'm in Brett's D&D game and he runs it with Roman mythology and, and I'm in Sean's game and he runs it with this, that, or the other thing. And this is how he does. He's very high magic or he's very this or that. My buddy John Franks, when he would run, it's like magic to the nth degree, crazy ass shit. You didn't have access to the number of RPG systems that we have now, which is kind of really cool that we're, in my opinion, is kind of, if you want to talk like golden ages, just and speak about just options and the plethora of stuff that's out there right now. If you want to find a cold war role-playing game, I'll bet you goddamn you could find one. There's yeah. a game out there called the uh, night witches, which is about the Russian um, female pilots. They used to do bombing raids into Germany and they, and they flew biplanes and would drop anything from bombs to railroad ties on the Nazis. Yeah. It was crazy. That's the second time Jason Morningstar has <laughs> yeah. come up in this podcast. He did that it, it, one too. Yeah. And until now, that never occurred. So you go to Indie Press Revolution, the IPR website, and see all this cool stuff. There's so much more out there. And it's almost the – so I guess if I were to kind of wrap my thoughts around it is that the um, – the analysis paralysis component can hit you. And what that does, and I probably should have defined this phrase at the very beginning here, so my God, I'm horrible for waiting this long. But basically, if I'm not careful, I can lock myself down trying to overanalyze. Does this system fit my Avalon world just perfect? Does it allow me to do this? Does it allow me to do that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> what I've started to do now is say, I like to run this type of game. Therefore, you know what I'm going to do? In this Avalon world, I'm going to use Blades in the Dark to tell this story. I'm going to use basic role-playing to tell this story. The world can stay the same, but I can glom various different systems on top of it whenever I need to to tell a specific story where that system facilitates the play. I think I'll, uh, to borrow another one from Misdirected Mark and Phil and the boys, I'll put a pin in that one, and we'll see if we can talk about that later. But we're getting close on time here, guys, so I don't want to drag it out too long. Yeah. Well, let's, let's wrap it up, right? So there you go. You have analysis paralysis, and we get into system matters, and we're all over the place. So, so which is evident by the fact that we've had an hour already. We're still bitching about it. So I just said so three times. Drink, okay. Uh, all right, let's go into uh, die roll. Die roll, where we come up with two to four, two to five, whatever we come up with when we roll the dice. 
miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery that we want to share with you, our lovely audience member. Oh, so I've got, yeah. I've got three. And uh, first one is I bought the Mice and Mystics board game. I did not get a chance to play it this weekend as I had hoped with my kids. Uh, we got into Small World instead. Played the heck out of that um, with my two little ones, and then we had a blast. So Mice and Mystics is reminds me a lot of the Mouse Guard role-playing game set to a board game, which I'm pretty sure is the connection somewhere in there. And the game itself, I've read the rules. I've not played it yet. <clears throat> but from what I read and what I've heard from Mo Tusano and Wayne Humphrey on uh, Google+, Plus. again, if you're not on Google+, Plus following gamers, get your ass on there because the knowledge out there is amazing. I asked them, how does it play? What does it do? It's a story-driven game. The mechanics are simple. It reminds me a lot of my HeroQuest board game mechanics, specialized dice and so forth. So I'm really looking forward to that. We'll probably hit that tomorrow, being Monday, and see how that goes after uh, after I get home from work and kids are back from school. OdysseyCon in Madison. We'll put a link out there. OdysseyCon is um, April 10th through the 12th. We should have mentioned this sooner, being that we're Wisconsin boys. I just flat forgot, so... If anyone from OdysseyCon listens to us, I apologize about that, but it's it's out there. Um, a couple different cool folks. They've got uh, Matt Forbeck is one of the um, the uh, <coughs> game designer guest of honor, and they've got some literary folks out there and whatnot. Check it out, odysseycon.org. We'll have the link in the show notes. And last one, as I said, I threw John Harper some cash for Blades in the Dark. Um, his Kickstarter is going uh, great gonzo bananas, whatever you want to say. He's well over hundred grand now. I think he's doing fine. I love what he's got. This is the same guy who did, um, let's see, Ghost Echo, uh, Lady Blackbird, and some of those things, which I've always been a fan of. So, anyway, not saying you got to do it, but I'm proud I did. I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be some good stuff. All right, Sean, your turn. All right, first one: Celtic dice, bronze infused stainless steel with visible print lines and rough feel. Because I'm all about the rough feel. Yeah, baby. Check it out. Uh, I had this posted from a personal friend of mine who came across it and, and called it out on Facebook and said, hey, Sean, check this out. Um, these things probably weigh a ton. They're not cheap. I mean, you're talking about a set of dice for like 75 bucks, and they have versions where you can get polished gold for 99 bucks. Shit. You can get I've seen dice. Like, I've seen dice like this before. Where they have like knot work and spikes and stuff sticking out. This is much more... Celtic network more than a barbed wire type of look. This is kind of cool. Yeah, it's not the barbed wire look that you've probably seen. It's very Celtic, so it's very, uh, there are the roundy triangle patterns in them. But they're not, they're called? Can't remember. What is, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm Irish and I don't even know. Um, Shut up and drink your whiskey. Moving on. So, drink. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have what's this, matte black steel. I mean, you're talking gray steel. Anyways, check it out. Link in the show notes. Not cheap. Cool dice. Um, definitely, if you want to injure a player, these will do the trick for you. And I don't see why you wouldn't. So there right. you go. Yep. If you're going to throw dice, make sure you hit somebody make with Make it count. Link Mar. Fritz Lieber. Fr- Lieber. Fritz Lieber. Is it, how do you spell his last name? I can tell you <laughs> how to pronounce it. No, you're saying it wrong because he said it Lieber. Doesn't it, matter how you want to pronounce is it. Is it L E I? Um, shit, no, I don't have it in front of me. It's L-I-E, I believe. L-I-E <clears throat> is Lieber. Hey, just remember, it's you can pronounce your last name however the hell you want. 
if you're German and in Germany and you spell it the way he spells it, it's well, if you're Liber. Polish, if you're Polish and you're in Poland and you spell my last and you pronounce my last name, would spell it's pronounced quote unquote wrong by us American Polacks. Well, how is it pronounced in Polish? It's be uh, Bloczynski in Poland. Yeah, when in <clears throat> Rome, man. Right. All right. But anyway, anyway, so Boffer and the great fucking Mauser. Yeah. And Sean is at. I'm at Gary Con, and they have the Goodman Games guys. Oh, jealous. I'm so jealous. The Goodman Games guys, Joseph Goodman's there, King Hoopla of Goodman Games, hence the name of the company. The, <gasps> Shocking. They named the company after him, Joseph Goodman. Well, I mean, he's good. So he, they announced that they have Lankmar. So they uh, actually, and when they made the announcement, they have uh, a book. A little booklet. It's like eighteen pages. Dungeon Crawl Classics Lankmar through Ningobles Cave. Ningobles Cave. Yep, the uh, wizard with the uh, uh, seven eyes. Yeah, by Michael <laughs> Curtis. It's authorized by the estate of Fritz Liber. L E I. There you go. It's Liber, and uh, it's a first look source book. <laughs> Uh, providing DCC RPG judges with all the information needed to journey to the world of Nuon, home to Lankmar, the fabled city of the Black Toga. You got to bring that to work, dude. I got to see that, man. Yeah, I that will. That is so fucking cool. Dangle I'm it. So, I'm so jealous. Dangle it in front of you. We're going to knock you down and take your shit. So what's going to happen? It cost me 10 <laughs> bucks. And, uh, 10 bucks. God, but God. They, I so I didn't read the piece where it talks about... Um, as we build towards a large boxed set, this first look source book provides DCC RPG judges with all the info needed. So expect a big box set. And when Goodman Games does box sets, they really do a really good job. They really do. Fucking A. And, and that, I mean, this is, again, like we just talked about, this pushes my, I love Far From the Gray Mauser. Holy crap. It says Far From the Gray Mauser. Give me five copies. I mean, that, it hits that button. I'll, I, you know, I, I want to throw money at them right now. Yep. God, I hope they go do a Kickstarter just so I can throw cash at them. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, number three, Gaming Hoopla. If you're in the Milwaukee area, um, April 24th to the 26th, the Gaming Hoopla, I believe, um, whenever I would used to miss the date all the time because they'd have it and I wouldn't know it, uh, used to be in Janesville. It is now in Milwaukee, apparently. And it, I think this started out as a... Um, a fundraiser for a local individual, and it might be the organizers of this event, um, to raise money for cancer. And I think it's just continued to go on and on. So it's still, all, it's still uh, come game and support the American Cancer Society in Gaming Hoopla's new location. Right. So all pro, cool. all proceeds go to the American Cancer Society. Uh, there's a raffle. Guests of honor include Ryan Metzler, Adam Mel, uh, McIver, and Stephen Conway and David Colson of The Spiel. And I'm, maybe they're a podcast and we just gave them a plug and they may never even know who we are. That's all right. So Gaming Hoopla, if you're in the, our neck of the woods, and I, we kind of got to pimp the local stuff, right? Uh, and then number four, when I came home on Friday, it was nice where I went in. I'm like, hey, I got to buy a package. And I opened it up and I got my copy of Primetime Adventures, which was Kickstarter. Now, it had been out prior and I had heard about it and I wasn't really interested in it. And then they launched the Kickstarter to, I think, revise it a little bit. And I thought, you know, that sounds kind of cool. I'm going to pick it up. Um, so Primetime Adventures. So we talk about the reason I put it on the die roll is, one, we talk about Kickstarters that suck and you never get your stuff. 
Um, or it's delayed beyond belief. Uh, hello, Mr. Loomis and Tunnels, Tunnels and Trolls. Trolls. Uh, amongst other things, but I want to recognize that we do get some Kickstarters that are very well done and they do deliver and everything's fine. And I want to say that I got my prime time adventures. And if you don't know what prime times adventures is, it's obviously a story based game. So people that like poo poo on story based games, it's, but the, you, as a GM, you are called the producer and then you have the protagonists. And so the players are the protagonists and you come up with a television series so this is uh similar to a hill folky thing where they're using that uh the system behind hill folk what the drama system drama system thank you it's all about series pitch and so on it's similar approach i haven't strike that i should say it sounds similar now i have not read either one in to completion so i won't i won't say that they're the same but the premise from what you're saying here rings to me what i've heard from robin laws sure Yes. Of course I'm right. I don't know. I don't know. I uh, I haven't looked How at How dare you Hillfolk. argue with me? I know, right? <laughs> but uh, Primetime Adventures, I think kind of sounded cool because if you took it to account, like, hey, we're going to create a TV show and then you're going to create your character and you pick the the genre of your show. Well, I'm gonna, we want a science fiction show. So it's kind of one of those where if you ever wanted to continue a show or be a part of a show or make up your own show, then you play primetime adventures and every show is just, you know, it's kind of, I think it's an interesting approach because I'm sure it's not going to be crunchy, crunchy. It's going to be like who has the scene, who can dictate the plot. And I don't know how that's done mechanically within the game, but I mean, it, I think um, one of the folks, uh, there's a, one of the, I think they got somebody to quote it. One of the big writers of uh, an actual TV show said that if, you're to write for a television series, they should play Primetime Adventures first. Nice. Well, tell you what, once you're done reading through it, let me know what you think. Yeah, it requires a deck of cards, which I also got, you know, a regular 52-card deck without the Jokers, I believe. But I don't, again, know, like, okay, you flip a card, and then it's, you know, I don't know how things go. Read it through and report back, man. Yes. I will I will do that. I And it's, you know, like many... Uh, small publisher, independent publisher um, games. You know, it's a small book, and I'll be able to get through it relatively quick. Anyways, Sweet. yeah, there you have it. This is Gaming MBS. I'm your host, S. And I am Brett. Thanks for listening, folks. Good gaming. Good night, all. Don't shoot, don't shoot, Brett. Fucking sing on my show.